0: Welcome to the latest installment of the Run to Daylight Podcast. I'm your host, Todd from BA, Todd Burrows, and welcome to another, hopefully, stellar show. Uh, we are brought to you today by our friends at the FFPC. The FFPC right now is running a great promotion. If you sign up for a football guys championship like I did just today, I will, be start, uh, I will do my first right on May 2nd. That is the first day. You've got until July 15th to sign up for a football guys. If you buy three of them, uh, you save $50. But if you sign up by uh, June 15th and by the end of July or wait, I got that backwards, of course. Moody, I thought I was good. I thought I was ready for prime time. If you register by June 30th and draft your team by July 15th, you'll receive a free $35 best ball. And if you contact me and say you have your free $35 best ball and you want me to join it with you, I will do so. You can get up to three free best balls uh, by signing up for three early Football Guys Championships Join me and go to myffpc.com for all the details and to set up your account. Moody, always good to talk to you, my friend. Glad to have you back, and uh, welcome to another great night. Absolutely.
1: Delighted to be here. But no, it's uh, been kind of a quiet week. Hasn't really been as much you know, NFL news. Probably the biggest thing that happened was uh, you know, James Conner you know, kind of landing with the team and crushing the dreams of those that were really chanting, you know, Chase Edwards or Chase, uh, Chase Edmonds. So I thought yeah. that was like some interesting news. Uh, but no, things are well. Uh, just getting amped up for the NFL draft, obviously.
0: Yep. Yeah, well, uh, April 29th, it's only a couple mm-hmm. weeks away. Uh, I, or I think two weeks from yesterday. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we will cover Chase Edmonds. Basically, we have two segments today. Mm-hmm. Uh, one will be on the NFL draft. That'll be around 845 when – Uh, returning hero Shane Hallam will join us and we'll go over the two position groups we didn't cover the first time, which is running back and tight end. And I got a chance to watch a lot of running back tape. So I'm really excited for that uh, part of the segment. But first, let me bring in Billy Mm Musio. Billy and I did a live draft. He is a dude that I think is really going places in uh, the Fantasy Space, you can check out his podcast. You can follow him at ffmuseo.com. Uh, handily, right on the screen, you can see right where he's from. And we're going to be discussing, uh, I put to Eric and to Billy uh, a, a challenge. In the first 10 rounds, give me three names of guys that you are buying heavy, of your fading hard, and three guys that you're just don't know what to do with, right? Like, you might be fading them and thinking to yourself, man, I shouldn't be. Or that it could be a guy that you're buying, but you have a lot of concerns. So what we'll do is we'll go through the first two sections, and then we'll see where we're at time-wise, and we'll have more in-depth discussions. Uh, The first segment will mostly be, why do you like this guy? Why don't you like that guy? We'll, We'll talk a little bit, but I want to go in depth uh, with these nine guys that we're struggling with, so that hopefully we can get to a better consensus of what is the right thing to do with these guys. Because I find uh, Eric a lot of times it's these guys that you don't know what to do with are the ones that bite you in the ass.
1: Yeah, I could I could see that. Plus, it's it's some on the uh, on the other side too. Guys that you. don't don't really have on your radar that you think will underperform, that actually end up, I would say, uh, exceeding expectations. Yeah, so it'll be an interesting discussion I'm looking forward
0: to diving into. All right. Um, Billy, welcome to the show. Um, You've had some exciting news since the last time you were on. Why don't you share that? And I know you're uh, looking for a couple guys for a a good cause and uh, tell everyone where they can find you.
2: Yeah, everybody. Uh, I'm uh, Billy Musio uh, at FF Musio on Twitter. Uh, and you can see it down here inside the uh, video chat. Uh, for those who don't know me, I am now running the live stream and YouTube channel for fantasy data, uh, along with my partner in crime, Bradley Stalder at FF Stalder. Um, previously, uh, we were the fantasy football fanalists. Um, and outside that, um, I've kind of just been a, an FFPC junkie, man. I've
0: uh, name for f- f- failed?
2: <laughs> Sorry, for f- 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 failed. No, we're still the fanalists. We're just presented by Fantasy Data now, so we're just ah, like a, a, a subsidiary. F- f- right? Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know the, the the triple F. And um, so, I mean, prior to uh, Fantasy Data, we, you know, I, I pretty much was like I said, I was a fantasy uh, FFPC junkie. A um, lot of Dynasty on FFPC, a lot of main events, a lot of FPG teams, um, you name it. I mean, I'm playing it. And then there's, you know, 20 to 25 Dynasty leagues on Sleeper and MFL and and every other platform known to man. So um, that's, that's You're basically a fantasy football
0: drug addict.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As my wife would say, I'm an addict. Hi, everybody, Billy. Hi. I'm here. <laughs> my my name is Billy O. My wife is yeah. not
0: a museoed. Yeah.
2: she's not as impressed as uh a lot of the community with how many leagues we're in she's like oh another one huh yeah
0: <laughs> and i had the nerve to offer to share one with you
2: yeah oh there's more coming we all know every every year we say we're going to cut back and you add like five so it's uh it's kind of a recurring
0: theme here i am definitely <laughs> cutting back this year last year lockdown really kicked my ass I'd never done more than eight fantasy football leagues in a year, a season long, and I joined 30 or so just football guys. <laughs> wow. You know, and I, it was, I mean, I had a partner for some of them, but, you know, after never really doing waivers, doing 30 of them was.
2: It's a full day job on, mm-hmm. on waiver nights. I mean, you're there for multiple hours. It's. It takes time and dedication, but, hey, that's what separates the good from the great. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: I think I'll do more main event teams this year and less FBGs, probably try and keep it to 10, um, and maybe with partners a couple more. But let's get to this, um, and and we'll start with uh, Billy. I see that your buys are A.J. Brown, Miles Sanders, and T.J. Hawkinson. I agree Hawkinson. on Sanders. In fact, he almost made my list. But tell <laughs> me why you think AG, A.J. Brown, who I am neutral on, and Hawkinson, who I've really not gotten on board with, I think I have one share so far, why they are uh, uh, strong buys for you?
2: So I, I love A.J. Brown. And and last year, um, my partner and I am uh, crying, I should say, on on the podcast, Bradley and I were very high on A.J. Brown. I mean, we actually had him projected on our consensus rankings as wide receiver five last year. And it was a little high. You know, a lot of people, you know, that's had, why they call
0: it fantasy football.
2: Yeah. A lot of people had something to say about it. But if you look at his fantasy points, I love per,
0: I love the strong take. I'm just busting your chops. Yeah. So if you, I mean, look if you at, had gotten it right, it would have been epic.
2: So I mean, so but hear me hear me out here in fantasy points per target. He finished as wide receiver seven. So it wasn't too far off here. He was wide receiver five in touchdowns, number three in hog rate, number five in true catch rate, number six in contested catches, and now it's 2021. Who else are they going to throw the ball to? I mean, he had a league eighth best, 25.8% target share last year. I mean, imagine what they're going to do with him this year. I mean, I think 30 to 31% is plausible. I, I really do. I mean, I love this kid. He's a star in the making, and honestly, he's my wide receiver one in Dynasty, newly updated this week. And I'll gladly take him in round two of of Best Ball at FFPC.
0: Interesting, I've uh, Moody. Your thoughts on that?
1: No, I'm really high on on AJ Brown. You know, whenever you have a wide receiver that has like opportunity, and the targets will be there, and he's proven last year that he can produce. You know, on a on a very limited target, you know, target share. He was he was sharing targets, you know, with uh, with Corey Davis, you know, with uh, other players in the offense. Plus, something else to consider is that they were very run heavy, obviously with Derrick Henry. That'll still continue to be the case, but he really doesn't have much competition for targets. And plus, he's going to get an additional year of experience. Now, I I love the take, Billy. Now, I I think I think you and I are both aligned. So,
0: yeah, I'll say this: I've come around a little bit, um, just one of those things where you sit there and you look and you say, yeah, who else are they going to throw the ball to? Mm-hmm. I do think that offense is going to regress some without Corey Davis and without uh, John U. Smith.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I do like uh, I was stealing Anthony Ferkser early uh, before John who actually signed somewhere else uh, back to our conversation, Billy, about how, uh, you know, you can get a lot of bonus points for just predicting what seems to be ninety percent obvious that Jonu was leaving. Um,
2: yeah, Furscher was going in round twenty-two in the beginning of drafts yeah. for baseball.
0: It was it was free. He, it was, he awesome. was a no-brainer if late. You know, I would get him as my third tight end, and it was just a beautiful thing. Uh, there's a few guys who were that beautiful that are no longer that beautiful. Parham was the, uh, that late. And, uh early and he he hasn't even come all the way back to where he was despite them signing um Jared Cook uh tell us uh so uh, i guess what i would say uh, real quickly on AJ Brown is yeah just even with them the offense maybe not being as good I I, I like the take, and I've started taking more of him. And really, there's a lot of guys that, and we'll get into this, there's a lot of guys I don't trust uh, where A.J. Brown is going. So to have another good name that I feel comfortable with um, I think is a great thing. Tell us real quickly, um, I I think we know the case for T.J. Hawkinson, but do you worry that's just going to be a bad offense? And it's not like you're getting some great discount on TJ Hawkinson in the fifth round.
2: I I think it's also going to be a volume play here. I, and I was buying them all year last year in the offseason and even towards the end of the year for dynasty, just because I was looking at contracts and saying they're not going to resign anybody at the best. They're going to resign Gallaudet, but I don't think it's going to happen. I wasn't expecting them to, you know, quarterback swap Goff and, and Stafford here, but I mean, nonetheless, I think it's going to be a volume play here. He finished 2020's tight end five last year. I mean, he is going to get peppered with targets. I, I think that this team, this offense is going to be bad. They're going to be playing in garbage time for most of the game here. I mean, not quite as bad as the Jets last year, but but something along like the Jacksonville Jaguars where they're passing the ball 30 to 40 times a game easily. And I think that as Hawkinson is the true number one in this, in this offense, think something like George Kittle for the Niners. I I could see him somewhere between you know twenty five to twenty eight percent target share like that's we're talking um, we're talking Travis Kelsey slash Darren Waller type numbers in in target shares so um, that's what I have him projected for and and quite frankly like he's moving up my board and I I I'm kind of battling in myself between him and Kittle at three.
0: Wow. Wow. Uh, oh, no, there's I, something no, 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 I, I like it. it. There's something wrong with Twitter. I'm having trouble sending a message, uh, Moody. So, uh, ask the next question. Yeah,
1: yeah. I know. I can even chime in on uh, on T.J. Hawkinson. I'm um, like, if we got the time, uh, sure, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I love it. As you can tell, I was nodding as you were going through all of that, Billy. Uh, I know some may think, okay, they brought in Tyrell Williams and Rashad Perriman, you know, kind of fill the void left by Galladay. Uh, but but one thing that's interesting when you think about Anthony Lynn's offense, you know, he's coming over to Detroit, you know, from the chargers is that I agree with you because the key beneficiary in the passing game is going to be uh Hawkinson. One thing with Goth, I'm like, he's, he's struggled under pressure of the last two seasons. I'm like, he's ranked uh, 30th in pro football focuses, uh passing grade out of like 40 qualifying quarterbacks and pressured. He is very good, you know, in passing between like zero, you know, to 15 yards. And to your point, Billy, I think that bodes really well for, uh, for Hawkinson. So some Absolutely. may think some may think that wow that's aggressive with them ranking them that high but no i see the logic and i just want to let you know once again hey we are aligned uh awesome. i would say for the next for the next question um i was i was thinking about with some of um some of like your buys that you had uh, todd i was kind of looking over your list you ready to go through those oh yeah all right so what i thought was interesting that uh, that todd had uh, you know lamar jackson You look at Lamar Jackson, Todd, named the NFL MVP, you know, during the 2019 season, had another solid season in 2020. He threw for a little bit under 28, uh, 2,800 yards, 26 touchdowns, you know, nine interceptions, one statistical nugget. I know he became the first quarterback in league history to record 2,000 yard rushing season. So let's start with Lamar. Like you listed him as one of your buys. You know, we looked at current ADP. What has you so high on Jackson
0: heading into this season? Well, you know, as we go through this list, you're gonna notice that a lot of times I'm buying people who everyone was on last year and either they didn't play up to what they had the year before, or they are uh, they were hurt. <clears throat> and that causes their ADP to drop. And you know, last year if you wanted Lamar Jackson, you pretty much had to take him at the two three turn, which mm-hmm. I, I thought was too expensive. Uh, but to get Lamar Jackson in the fifth round when running when quarterbacks are going two rounds earlier, and to get that floor with the rushing, I don't expect him to throw the ball as well as he did two years ago. But I do think he regresses back somewhere in the middle. And um, and the other thing is that in best ball, you need spike weeks from your quarterbacks because score, quarterback scoring is so flat. I've always preached spike weeks, and Lamar might end up being this you know r- right where he's drafted the sixth or seventh best quarterback. Uh, but I, I he's the guy on that week where he throws the ball well; he can get you forty points, and there's not too many guys who can get you forty points.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point. You know, obviously with his rushing ability you know, passing ability, but he could put together some really, you know, really big weeks. I, 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 like, I like your assessment because kind of made me think when you were going through it about like Lamar Jackson going into last season, you know, just thinking, wow, you know, look at that, you know, ADP. He's not the value that he was the previous season. And so you kind of have a little bit of regression. So, no, I like that point. Now, someone else that you mentioned, you know, with being a, a New Orleans Saints fan, you know, definitely love to see him on your list, but you've got uh, Michael Thomas. I think everyone's very familiar with his uh, statistical body of work and what he's capable of. I know things look a little bit different in New Orleans. You know, Drew Brees is a uh, retirement. You're going to have a, a battle for the, you know, for the crowd, so to speak, with uh, James Winston and Taysom Hill. So what's your take on uh, Michael Thomas?
0: I know he's one of your buys. Well, again, it's an ADP play. A guy who was going in the first round right around the fifth or sixth pick last year and you know the quarterback uncertainty is why he's going 333435 and to me you know i want that guy who can give me you know that's what i'm looking for if you remember a few years ago you got Hopkins right around the same spot and that was the year he went nuts um and then you could combine him with um Todd Gurley that year and it was almost an instant win so to me you know if it's Jameis winston, he's gonna be fed if it's uh taysom Hill, well taysom Hill threw the ball to Michael thomas at a very high rate. I don't off the top of my head know uh what his uh- uh you know his target share was but it he he it was obvious that he looked for Michael Thomas, and the guy who got hurt when taysom Hill was there was alvin Camara so uh, I I just think that Michael Thomas is is you know he I, I, I would draft him honestly if it wasn't an ADP thing I'd have him like around two five two six and you mm-hmm. can get him three two three three.
1: Okay. No, very good points. Now I know another player that you mentioned was uh, Keenan Allen, uh, you know, who's coming off of a solid season. I know if you look at you know most targets you know over the last two seasons. I'm like the only two receivers that have more targets than Allen are Allen Robinson, you know, with 303 and DeAndre Hopkins with 300. And Allen is sitting there at 285. Uh, What's your assessment of him going into this season?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's not as hard of a buy for me because um, I do like some other people in that middle to the third round. I like Miles Sanders, who I almost went with Miles instead of um, Keenan. But to me, he's just a solid week in, week out producer. I don't know that he's the spike week guy, but you know, Justin Herbert clearly looked for him. Uh, they lost Hunter Henry. Uh, I I just think Keenan Allen is just one of those guys you book, and you, you know, and you don't have to worry about him. So uh, it's not a high upside play like the other two, but uh, every time I can put Keenan Allen on my team, I feel like I'm adding value.
2: See, I really like both the receiver plays here. I'm not as high on Lamar. I just think that his attempts per game, uh, he really has to take a step forward in his, the passing game in order for him to come even near his MVP year, where he was a his um, his touchdown rate was over nine percent that year, and that's like Aaron Rodgers last year was nine point one. So, uh, I mean, that's the kind of caliber year he had in order to be drafted where he was being drafted. I. I last year was saying he was being overdrafted. It was going to be impossible to repeat that touchdown rate for him, especially yeah. with the volume in which he's throwing. Um, so I'm not as high on Lamar, but in terms of Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, I think they're going to be target monsters. I mean, Michael Thomas yeah. was 27.8 target, uh, target share last year, fourth best in the NFL. And that yeah. was even playing, you know, roulette there with uh, I call it the man who should not be named because I absolutely hate him um, at quarterback and I will refuse to say his name. So, um, so if he wins the job, I'm a little concerned, but if Winston wins the job here, I think you get a value in Michael Thomas in round
0: three. Yeah. Um, Moody, let's get to your list. Um, you, uh, your buys, um, are F1 Terry McLaurin, CD lamb and Joe Mixon. Well, neither of them are my top buys. I do agree with all of them. Tell me, though, two things. Why Lamb over uh, Amari Cooper uh, literally as, you know, he's literally going first. It's not like a value. You you and I are both drafting C.D. Lamb ahead of Amari Cooper. But tell me why you're uh, doing that. And do you have any fears on Joe Mixon?
1: No. Uh, yeah, C.D. Lamb. Wow. Uh, you know, above watching C.D. Lamb in college, very excited to see what he did as a, as a rookie last year. So with, with Lamb, uh, you look at his rookie season. I know he put up 74 receptions you know, for 935 yards, you know, five touchdowns. Uh, now, one thing that's interesting, you know, Lamb had 433 yards, including like 200 yard, you know, or more games like in his first five NFL games. I'm like, he had no catches in week seven and no hundred yard games down the stretch. Now his struggles came, you know, when Dak Prescott, you know, was out of the lineup. I know he suffered, you know, that season ending ankle, inju- uh, ankle injury, and, you know, with Lamb, looking back, I'm like, I think it was, I think, what four different signal callers that he had to deal with uh, throughout the year. So, you know, Andy Dalton kind of got hurt and they had some my other quarterbacks uh, fit in there, but you've got a healthy Dak Prescott you know, who's paid, you know, he's, I was going to be motivated to let everyone know, hey, I deserve this, you know, this contract, Then you've got all those offensive weapons that are coming back. And so I just think it's a scenario where Lamb possesses, you know, the
0: most upside out of that group.
1: And I think he's in a really good position to improve like on his rookie season. So that's kind of my assessment of him.
0: Yeah, I I would agree with you. And I I think one of the Uh things I like to do is uh, and it's kind of something J.M. To win talks about in DFS. Who are the $6,500 guys who are going to be the $8,500 guys by the end of the year? You know, uh, C.D. Lamb, to me, is going to be a first-round pick in uh, one of these years upcoming. You know, uh, end of the first round, mm-hmm. beginning of the second round. Um, so just because he's not there yet, this is the year to buy him and hope that next year is the year that he's a first or second round pick. Um, I I do think there's some issues obviously with uh, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup being there and Zeke Elliott being there. But I, I love, I love buying guys who I think are going to be first and second round picks in the future uh, it worked for me with Calvin Ridley. It worked with me with Chris Godwin a couple years ago before they loaded up on a ton of a guys. Billy, what's your thoughts on CD?
2: I love both C Lamb and Amari Cooper. If either are there, I tend to pick Amari just because of the connection with Dak. I th- if it's Dynasty, it's a different question. If we're best ball in redraft, that's the direction I go. Dynasty, of course, it's CD, but. People fail to realize, like, the pace that CeeDee Lamb was on for 2020. Mm-hmm. I extrapolated with on the no six. Cam. Yeah, so is that ex- mm-hmm. ex- extrapolated. With
0: no Sorry, with no what? I mean, with no offseason as a rookie. 100... Exactly.
2: And extrapolated mm-hmm. with Dak Prescott. If Dak Prescott would have played 16 games, Dak was on pace for 6,000 yards. CeeDee Lamb was on pace for 1,325 yards. Extrapolated through those six weeks. I I love CD Lamb. I I'm fine either or I I usually whoever goes first, I take the other one second just for value.
1: Yeah. Now, I know you also asked about uh, about Joe Mixon Todd. We'll kind of dive into him. So uh with Mixon, I, th- I think the big observation that I had, you know, with being like an ex, you know, offensive lineman is uh you know, the Bengals hired Frank Pollack, you know, to be their offensive line coach and uh, running game coordinator. So I'm excited to see, you know, Mixon come back healthy, but for him to also have Pollock back too. I'm like, you think back to when Pollock was with uh, Cincinnati back in 2018, you know, Mixon had the best season of his career. Like in only 14 games, you know, that season, I'm like, he rushed for 1,168 yards, scored eight touchdowns. So, you know, phenomenal. Like he's also shown flashes, you know, throughout his career of, of being really productive as a receiver out of the backfield. Now, now one thing, you know, of having Giovanni Bernard there, the Bengals have not been able to really let him loose, like, in that area. But I think this is the perfect storm for that to happen, you know, for this year. You know, you think about all the other backs that are out there, you know, the ones with the big money contracts, you know, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, uh, you know, Aaron Jones, Christian McCaffrey. They're all used heavily as receivers. And so I think that's some uh, attention that Mixon will end up getting in 2021. I just really think he's positioned to have a monster season, and I really love his ADP right now. Got it.
2: I can't do the mixing thing this year. I, I was all in on him last year. I was wrong, and I, his metrics are just horrible. And I it's, it's all that O-line. He's a talented back. He really is. He himself is, I don't think, fully to blame. I mean, PFF had this line graded at a 30 out of 32. This line is notoriously bad. Everybody knows it. But even if you look at items that he is responsible for, like breakaway rate, he was 30th of 50, running back 41, sorry, 41 of 50 in breakaway rate, 30th of 50 in juke rate, 43rd and 50 in points per attempt. I'd, and I know a lot of that is the, has to do with the O-line, but at some point you have to create yards yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, like with Cincinnati, because uh, one thing about this draft class, I know it's easy for everyone to get enamored by uh, – you know, the running backs, you know, receivers, especially in this draft. But This is a really deep draft class, in my opinion, for uh, offensive line. Yeah, I'd love to see them address that, Billy, because uh, the volume will be there. But, you know, you brought up some good points about breakaway rate and some of those other metrics uh, on volume alone. I'm like, he will have those opportunities. But he's the type of back <laughs> that, that I've seen that does need like solid offensive line play to really be productive. But, yeah. you know, with having Pollock coming back and then filling in some holes in the draft. Uh, I think good things are coming. But, yeah, it is an
0: area of opportunity, though. Definitely have to acknowledge that. It's interesting that he was going in the mid-third where I didn't mind him. I wasn't taking a lot because, like I said, I like Sanders. I like Michael Thomas. um, A couple other guys I like. But, um, you know, now somehow Gio Bernard leaving has catapulted him into the, you know, the uh, end of the second round when Gio really – wasn't the reason he didn't perform. So um, anyway, that that's my take. I'm not, I'm not anti Joe Mixon. Um, but I, I liked hearing what Billy had to say, because it was just starting to, you know, sometimes when someone's moving up the board, you feel like you're missing out. Um, so that's why I like having these discussions.
1: Yeah, no, really good stuff. And let's get, uh, let's get some additional uh, insight from Billy. So uh, Billy, I know on your list, I know you had uh, Stefan Diggs. I have a couple uh, hot know, ones. You know, Cam. <laughs> a- <laughs> I wouldn't say it's necessarily hot ones, but not, everyone has an opinion. Let's We'll talk about it. You know, so you, I know you had Stefan Diggs, you had Cam Akers and you know, Brandon Iu. you know, at Spades. Like if you had to buy one of them at ADP, like which one would it be? And are any of them, you know, you know, if any of them people you plan to have uh, like zero shares of, like are any of them. I- Yeah. Go ahead.
2: I I plan to have zero shares of K Makers. I I, he could drop to round Uh end of round two, beginning of round three, and I still won't draft him. Yeah. He's he's going right now Mm -hmm. as like pick 1.09 at FFPC on average for best ball. Um I I just can't do it. You're buying the absolute ceiling with him. You're buying Mm -hmm. off his last four weeks that he had inside uh, this offense and it was a time that Dale Henderson was hurt, Malcolm Brown was hurt. It yeah. was a time where Goff wasn't particularly passing well. And he was averaging 23 and a half touches a game. 23 and a half. That's a lot of touches. Mm-hmm. And it's not like his metrics off those touches were anything to boast about. I mean he had a third he's running back 36 in juke rate, 17.3%. He was running back 25 in yards created and running back 47 in points per opportunity. I just think that you're buying an absolute ceiling. You're expecting him to repeat those last four weeks. And I think that them bringing in golf signifies to me that they're going to pass the ball more, Mm -hmm. that they didn't trust the passing game last year, that now they want to throw the ball more and keep in mind. Now you have a healthy Daryl Henderson, who has better metrics all the way around. Mm -hmm. He's not just going to disappear. And, McVeigh has been known to use a two to three back system at all times. So mm-hmm. I think that people are overestimating their return they're going to receive on acres. And I think that you're paying too much for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stefan Diggs, I like Diggs. I really do. I was wrong on Diggs last year. I thought the transition was going to be bad. Uh, I missed, I whiffed on him. But it took two MVP caliber years for him to put up the numbers he did, not just himself, because Diggs had an MVP caliber year last year. So did Josh Allen. And it took two MVP caliber years for him to do what he did. And I just don't think that that narrative is going to be repeatable. I mean, people are saying, hey, the two just had to be married. I'm not buying the narrative. I think it was just two very, very hot times in both their careers. It just happened simultaneously. And I just don't – I don't see it repeating here in 2021. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be a top 10 wide receiver? Yeah, probably. But I'm not going to draft him as you know wide receiver one, two, or three. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well – I, I get it. And and I my problem is, Billy, that there's not a lot of guys that I like right in that range. Right. And sometimes, you know, that's, you know, like right now, I kind of like getting this. Like I just did a draft where I got the sixth or seventh pick and I came back and I got uh, uh, Hopkins in the middle second round, who I feel very strong, you know, very good about. Um, and I would have felt good about taking digs at that point. Um, not because I disagree with you, just because there's really not a lot of guys in that mid-second round that I really feel good about. Um, I feel much better, as I've said, with a, the guy, a lot of the guys that are in that mid-third round, I have as second-round values.
2: Yeah, I'd agree. And then the, the I, um, you can't go wrong with picking them. I just think that um... – for me, he's he's not a target, is what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> yeah. um, and and to answer your last one, Brandon Ayuk, it simply breaks down to Debo being back, Kittle being back. The offense is healthy now, mm-hmm. and I think that Brandon Ayuk had inflated numbers as a rookie just based upon opportunity and target share and what was who was on the field with him. And and I just think that with everybody returning at a pure ADP standpoint, you mm-hmm. can get Debo Samuel three rounds later. Yeah, and I'd much rather just hundred percent
0: agree with that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% likewise, hundred percent agree. Moody, uh, your fades are uh, Brandon Jacobs, Kenny Galladay, and Will Fuller. I have to say, at an ADP of fourth round for Jacobs now. I mean, earlier I was with you, but now he's dropped to the fourth round. A late fifth for Galladay, and an eight nine for Fuller. Um, I'm, you know, I I kind of like those guys at uh, ADP. Um what is it about those three guys that you're just not on board with?
1: Yeah, I'd say with uh like with Josh Jacobs, uh, probably the biggest concern that I have is with uh, you know, Kenyon Drake uh you know being added, you know, to the backfield. Uh I just had a a, a visitor uh in, in here. My daughter came to get something. <laughs> Probably can't see her in the camera, but I was like, "Well, I, we're
0: we're I, such a big time podcast, we can't have kids walking in." I, I'm just like, "Must <laughs> have come in
1: to get something." I see it out of my peripheral vision, so my apologies there. So well, Jacobs, okay, going back to Josh Jacobs, I'm like, "You've got uh, you got Kenyon Drake, you know, that's coming in. Uh, they have an eerily similar skill set for where you know both of them excel. You know, like in between the tackles as runners, but then also they haven't been historically used as is uh, is often as a receiver out of the backfield." You still have Jalen Richard that's there as well. And I just think it's a scenario where, you know, uh, Josh Jacobs and then Kenyon Drake are basically going to cannibalize each other's value, you know, from a fantasy lens. I'd rather end up taking, you know, Kenyon Drake or even Jalen Richard a little bit later because I think that they're going to get an eerily similar like opportunity share. So that's kind of my assessment, like on Jacobs, just not a guy that I really want to reach for right now.
0: Yeah, I I get it. Uh, Galladay is, though. I mean, out of the three on your list, Jacobs is the one that I probably won the least of. Mm-hmm. I'm actively buying Kenny Galladay uh, mm-hmm. end of the fifth round. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I think that uh, he's exactly what Daniel Jones needs. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 you know, uh, again, he, it. Injury is a little bit of a concern. And Will yeah. Fuller, I don't like the landing spot. Mm-hmm. And and frankly, as good as he did play last year, I didn't think Will Fuller looked as explosive as he had in the past. Yeah. But at an eighth, ninth round ADP, when you consider the dreck, the dreck that is available at running back in that range um, and tight end, and, and, and it's after the quarterback run, I don't mind Wolf forward. I'm not as high on him as I was last year, though. Billy, your thoughts on those two?
2: If the ADP falls, I'm okay with, with honestly, all three of them. I, I think I agree, though. Josh Jacobs is probably, out of the three, the least of the, I'd say, least shares I'll be owning. Um, I do think Drake is going to make an impact. And we saw last year with the you know plethora of – of bad running backs. They added to kind of take away the thought of him being a pass catching back. I think mm-hmm. them bringing in Drake signifies, Hey, and, and reiterates at the same time that, Hey, he's not our pass catching back. And, um, cause Drake is a much better pass catcher than he is. Mm-hmm. So I would agree on that one. If, if the ADP falls enough, of course I would take him. out of mm-hmm. all those. I agree with Todd here. Galladay is actually one I'm actively pursuing. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, a value at this point because, um, there's not many people in round five/slash round six that you can get that could and have the talent to put up, you know, 1,200 yards and double-digit touchdowns. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not saying it's happening, but I'm saying it, it's 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 not other realm of possibility.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm like you're right. You know, it's it's not. I just think that the targets will end up being a little bit more diversified than, uh, than many people think in New York. I'm like, you still have, you know, Sterling Shepherd that's there. Everyone has yeah. have forgotten about that Darius Slayton uh, who. I'm like, even looking back to last year, now I will be candid. Like, with a guy like Slayton, he's not cut from that, you know, alpha number one wide receiver cloth. Galladay's better position for that. So I think Slayton will thrive even more playing alongside a guy like Galladay. I'm like, you know, to your point, Billy, I'm like, he's a great fit, you know, for Daniel Jones. You know, Todd, you kind of mentioned that too for where I'm like, contested catches. I'm like, you know, he's the guy. That's what Daniel Jones definitely needs. But we also have Saquon Barkley that's coming back too. And then, if you know about Jason Garrett and kind of how he operated in Dallas, you know as the OC slash head coach, I'm like he does tend to lean heavily like on the running game. So those are just some concerns. I just rather yeah. have Shepard or Slayton a little bit later because I feel like I'm going to get similar production. So. I, I no, love I've, Slayton in the late
0: 20s and the mid 20s.
2: And I think your 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 thought process is correct. And I and I just in perspective, like Bradley and I both don't even have Galladay projected for a thousand yards. Like we're both yeah. in the high nine hundreds. And I just, I think that your, your analysis is correct. I'm not arguing that point. I just think oh, that, yeah. the ceiling play in terms of best ball,
1: the ceiling play is there. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, absolutely. Good stuff. I'm trying to think about if I needed to add really anything about, about, uh, about Will Fuller, but um, we'll save that. We'll save that for another day. I want to go back to you, uh, go back to you, Todd. Um, I know that uh, you're fading, uh, like Antonio Gibson. Looks like J.K. Dobbins, and then Travis. I'm gonna butcher his. How do you pronounce his name? I just call him Antonio. the a- I call him the A. Yeah, I just like the ATM. There we go. I'll, I'll go with that. I was just like, wow, I've never had to pronounce like his last name. i have sat there and had like a brain moment. But I know you mentioned those three, those three players there. So. Yep. I think one, one observation, as you can tell, you know, they're, they're all running backs. I'm like, you know, does it, does it have, you know, with them being like a running back, I'm like, does it
0: have to do with like fading them? Yeah, it does. It's, okay. it's, um, well, A, I think all of them, you know, rule number one of the early part of the draft is thou shalt not fuck up the early part of the draft. Right. I mean, that is, that, that, that's, that's the rule. And so, you know, like with digs, you know, Billy's comment was well the ceiling, right? So I don't like drafting and acres, same thing. I don't like drafting guys whose roles are two down backs, right? Uh, Yeah. Gibson can catch, but McKissick isn't going to disappear. Um I love Dobbins as a player. If he was going in the fourth round, I might have, you know, an unlimited amount of shares of him. But in the second round, I feel he's being drafted at his ceiling. And Travis ATM is, uh, you know, a guy who I think is, you know, not as high on my rookie board as the Consensus. So basically, what I'm doing there is if you study the RotoViz stuff, you know, wide receivers outscore running backs throughout the whole draft. So, how I've been handling most of my drafts this season is try and get one running back in the first two, maybe three rounds that I really feel can be my number one running back, and then take more shots later, load up on the other positions, have a solid team. And then hope that, you know, one of my six other running backs each week gives me, you know, 10 to 12 points and I win that way. So, yeah, I, I just think that the wide receivers are a better option than drafting a bunch of running backs at their ceiling. Um, you got to realize that because of positional scarcity, that is the, the one of the biggest traps in drafting. And there's no position where there's more positional scarcity than running back. So to give up that the, the, you know those that prime, you know round two pick for a guy uh, that doesn't have any ceiling, it's just not for me.
2: I like Gibson. I, I do. I think that I I, I like him. He's the I'm one actually...
0: that I would consider the most.
2: So I actually own quite a bit of Gibson this year. Um, he he typically. Like where the draft falls, though, I'm usually taking Sanders just because where I'm at in the drafts. I I keep getting placed in like the top three in every single draft I'm in on FFPC. It's kind of driving me crazy, quite frankly, because there's just not a lot of diversity when you're in the same positions. But the, um, in terms of Gibson, I think that Rivera with this defense, I think that they're going to revert kind of back to more old school football. They're going to play defense. And they're going to run the ball. I don't think they're going to ask Fitzmagic to throw the ball 35, 40 times a game. Can he? Yes, if they need to. Hundred percent, but I don't think they want to rely on that. I think they're going to use these, um, you know, players like Gibson and McKissick and Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin, and you know, especially the gadget side, and and really create some mismatches and and spread this field and really open up the running game. So I like Gibson. I think that I'm fine drafting him in the middle of round two where he's been going right now. Uh, I think that he has the potential, like you mentioned earlier, Todd, of being a number one pick in the coming years. Not one, number one first round pick, I should say. You um, think Gibson? Yeah, just because oh, wow. I think I think that he has the talent. I mean, he had forty four targets last year. That was running back twenty five on the year. So I, he's sneaky. He's he's sneakily being targeted in the passing game too. Even with McKissick being peppered. So
0: I would assume well, we lose point, Alex Smith, the captain drop off. We and, do, and ha- and Haskins captain drop off. Um, Which
2: to me it signifies more old school football. They're going to, you know, throw the ball it, in the it, It's too, a fair comment. comment. Hey,
0: so we kind of did what I wanted to do in the next segment. And we're only about three or four minutes away from we were supposed to get Shane in. And this is what I was afraid of. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring Shane in and allow him to be part of this next segment. Uh, and hi, Shane. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, right. and then we'll get to the rookies after that and then if we run a little long we run a little long um, so uh, what this segment is, is these are the guys we've covered the guys that we're drafting and the guys that we're not drafting these are the guys who we might be drafting but we don't feel good about it or we're not drafting them but it's tickling us every time we pass them like <laughs> Uh, Am I missing something here? So, um, uh, Bill, I'm just going to give the three lists, and then I'm going to pass a name around the room. So, uh, Billy's were uh, Pitts, Edmonds, and James Robinson. Uh, Moody's was Julio, OBJ, and Edmonds. So, we've got two Edmonds. And mine is uh, Justin Jefferson, Kareem Hunt, and Miles Gaskin. So those are the nine guys. Um, can we all agree that uh, the chase Edmonds question was kind of answered by them signing John Connor um, that you know I originally had him in a 10, 11, 12th round uh, as being Edmonds value. Uh, does there is there anyone here who still thinks he's an eighth round uh, value?
2: I I'm on the fence right now about it. That's why I have him on this list because, for me, I was more worried about Arizona adding a running back in the draft. You know, somebody like like a like a good running back. I'm not. Talking they still like, could. They still could. Yeah. And you that's know, why signing
0: I, Connor cheap doesn't so, preclude that.
2: So, but for me, I think Drake's a better running back than Connor. So, for me, if anything, it actually bumped Edmonds up seeing Connor go to. Um, Arizona, I just think that it, it solidifies his role a little bit more. Um, so I, and I'm playing a little bit of you know, kind of a contrarian take here. And but I think that if they add another running back in the draft, I'm 100% out, and especially if it's a talented back. But as it stands right now, them signing Connor to me at least gives me a little bit more vote of confidence that Edmonds may be their, you know, their guy.
0: Miles Gaskin is the other running back who's going in that area. Um, Moody, um, do you feel that Miles, uh, what, what, uh, Moody and then Shane, what, do you see Miami adding a running back here? Um, I mean, I have 20% Gaskin, uh, because he played really well. Mm -hmm. And if they don't get one of the top three or four running backs, you know, Gaskin is way underpriced. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I, no, I actually like I like Gaskin. I just I just don't see them going out in the draft to uh, you know to, to get one of those top running backs. So I know it's been some mock drafts where you know that's happened, but no, I really like Gaskin a lot. but like with the opportunities that he had last year, I'm like he was very productive, and I just think with another year under his belt, you know, and then with having two of there, you know, under center as a starter, uh, I think he's really undervalued. So yeah, he's a guy I would aggressively target. I'm not worried about him at all, Shane. I, I I'm I'm worried about them drafting running back. I mean, every pro every pro day
3: that they've been at, uh, when they went to Clemson's pro day, Miami's uh, now co offensive coordinator, former running backs coach, is the one that led Travis Etienne through uh, the drills. He was he was the one that was right there, was doing it. Uh, it seems like every pro day they've been at, they've actually taken an interest in a lot of those top running backs, and it may not be the first round, but I think. They're going to take one of the top 100, and uh, then Miles Gaskin.
0: You're going to be able to get a lot cheaper. All right, let's go to next guy up. I want I want discussion on Justin Jefferson because to me he's another guy that I love the talent, love the player, the ADP. Just see, you know, again, we were talking earlier about guys who you can get the other guy on the team much later. I feel so super every time I get Adam Thielen in the sixth round. Um, Justin Jefferson in the second round seems a little kind of top of uh, opportunity. Billy, your thoughts on Justin Jefferson?
2: I like the talent. I think it just really depends upon the format that you're in. If we're purely talking best ball, I'm I would rather wait and take Thielen than take Jefferson. Um, you know, around that same EDP is A.J. Brown, who I actually prefer over Jefferson. Um, so there's just other no players. noted. Yeah, there's just yeah. there's other players in that area that I would just rather target than Jefferson at that ADP.
0: Anyone uh, banging the table for Jefferson at the end of the second round? Not in redraft. No, not. No. <laughs> All right. The next one we'll take is Julio Jones, mm-hmm. who is going in the mid fourth round. Moody is not feeling the love there. I got to say, anytime I can get Julio in the mid-fourth round, I'm a pretty happy guy. Uh, Billy and then Shane, what are your thoughts on Julio in the fourth? I'll, I'll take him in the fourth.
2: It I think it just the, depends upon my team and my uh, you know position theory and roster construction. If I need a wide receiver, I'll take him there. Um, it just really depends upon where I'm at in the draft and, and if I'm comfortable taking him at not, at that point.
0: Shane?
3: I'm with Moody here. I mean, uh, look, I think Julio could could be a great value there, but I would much rather just take a younger receiver and, you know, know that that cliff's definitely not coming. Um, I, th- I think Julio's cliff is coming sooner rather than later. Could be this year. Uh, I'd rather just pass and uh, look at receiver elsewhere.
0: All right. Yeah. Um, James we got two more names James Robinson I think is an interesting one because mm-hmm. I think most people just consider him a buy and I have almost I don't know that I might have one James Robinson share and it's not that I'm against him uh, or I think that they're gonna bring in another running back I just think that offense is going to have more than one running back this year where he was alone last year I think they'll bring I think they will bring in somebody. And I also think that Trevor Lawrence runs the ball pretty well. And, you know, I, I, I just don't think he's going to be, you know, I just think that the whole offensive planning is going to be better. You're going to see more short passes, getting the ball out of Lawrence's hand quick. Um, I don't know. I, I uh, uh, Shane, I really want to hear your thoughts on James Robinson. Like I, I was the biggest James
3: Robinson supporter pre-draft last year. He was my uh, RB eleven before the NFL draft, and wow. uh, so I, I'm a ton of places. Like I was super high on him, but I'm kind of with you, Todd. I mean, I, I think it's just he, he's not going to have that volume, so he's one of those guys that I, I will draft, but feel a little bit skittish about because a lot. I think a lot can go wrong for him. My hope is he'll be a little more efficient with a better offense, even if they do have someone else take some carries and that percentage goes down. Um, but I think it's gonna to be tough for him to match those numbers from
0: last year. Moody, your thoughts on him?
1: Yeah, no, I, I am worried because uh, you know I do see them adding on another running back, you know in Jacksonville as part of that uh, part of that committee. Then also kind of worry about game flow. my opportunity share was huge for him last year. But I just don't know if he's going to be able to to get the touches, you know to be successful. but I, but again, to, to Shane's point, i'm really I'm really high on James Robinson. I love what he did last year. But it's just with that offense and with Urban Meyer coat going in there, I I just don't see the touches being there
0: enough for him to be
1: successful. Sorry, two
2: hundred and forty (laughs) touches last season. I just don't (laughs) see him cracking that again. I I see him more like that one hundred and ninety five to two two hundred five range, and and I the targets hit sixty targets. I just don't see that again either. I I think it's a volume play for me, and I think he's going a little higher than I'm. I'm comfortable taking him.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. And again, I'll I'll sum it up by saying they're going from an old school coach, hand the ball off to the running back, drop the ball off to the running back, to uh, you know, a guy who is known. He's a new he's a newfangled coach. He's going to he's not just going to lean on one or two guys. He's going to get everyone involved. He's going to use all his weapons. Uh, mm-hmm. I I yeah I I don't like it. Um, Kareem Hunt, for me, is a guy who I think his ADP is okay. He had a 10.7% win percentage last year at that ADP. My my feeling, the biggest thing for me is uh, there's a lot of wide receivers I like in that fifth round. And I what scared me is that when Nick Chubb did, you know, the whole reason to me to draft Kareem Hunt there is... You know, either you want a floor, right? The rest, you you need, you want someone who has a pretty good floor, or you're chasing the ceiling he would get when Nick Chubb, if Nick Chubb got hurt. And when Nick Chubb got hurt, Kareem Hunt didn't get the volume that I expected. They incorporated other backs. Is there anyone here who can convince me that Kareem Hunt has the ceiling in the fifth round? <laughs> <laughs> nope. All right. La- last year
2: he was great value. This year it's a little high. It's a little steep for my <sighs> He's old, he's going right <laughs> around where he did
0: last year, though.
2: Yeah, but last year it was. I just felt like it was a little bit. I don't know. It just felt better. It was just in the soul. It, it you know? felt you better just,
0: because you had the hope that chubb would get hurt, yeah. and then Chub got and then Chub got hurt, and and. and and, and, you know, if you do that roto before, you know, with and without, um, I forget the name of the exact tool, he scored like 0. .3 points more with Nick Chubb out. I mean, yeah, you know, I don't want, I want a guy in the fifth round who's going to, you know, be that, you know, that guy who can be a second round pick next year. And I don't see Kareem Hunt being it. Uh, Speaking of uh, guys who have a little bit of hype, we're going to finish this segment with Kyle Pitts. Um, And we'll count it as Shane's segment (laughs) on the tight ends. Um, Shane, do you feel like he is being overdrafted? Uh, He's obviously clearly the number one tight end. Um, but give us your thoughts on Kyle Pitts and his ability to transition year one going, you know, what, what's his IEDP right now? Sixth, seventh round? Kyle Pitts is a fantastic
3: player. I don't think you'll find someone that says uh, Kyle Pitts is absolute garbage, right? No no one's going to say that. I mean, he is uh, his size, his, his athleticism, um, his wingspan, the way that he, you know, adjusts the football. Um, you know, he's, he's really, really good. And I think because there isn't another tight end of this class that even comes close to that, uh, you know, I think it kind of props him up even more. You know, when we had the TJ Hawkinson year, we had Noah Fant, you know, we had some guys that could kind of be comparable. And I, I, I think Kyle Pitts is getting a little bit too much love though for year one. Uh he's still a tight end. As, as he said, you know, there, there is not anyone any team that asked him to play receiver or run receiver drills. You know, they're asking him to be a tight end. And the reason why tight ends have trouble in the first year or two is because you know half of their their game, their training, their preparation, their film is blocking. That's not something Kyle Pitts does very well. Um, it's something he can't, he probably can't do. I mean, he, he's, you know, he's an athletic, uh, Marvel, but it's not something he does well. So a lot of times what happens to those players is they're working on blocking, you know, because that's what they struggle with. So then you're not working on the receiving aspect where you should be able to dominate NFL talent. It's still a jump. The game's still faster and that still becomes more difficult. I don't think he's going to be terrible. But um, you know, when I see him in some of these FFP drafts, goes the you know the fourth, his fifth, eighty end his off the board. 50. I mean, his,
0: that, right now he's fifty. I mean, I that's yeah. just too high. I,
3: that, high.
0: That, that, that better come with a hand job. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You, you know, I mean, I need. I I'm sorry, Moody, but I, I got to get some extra benefit out of drafting a rookie tight end at, at pick fifty in the FFPC. I mean, obviously, people say he's
3: locked for twelve touchdowns. We've had one rookie tight end have twelve touchdowns in NFL history in 1961. So, like, you're going to tell me was that, that, that this John is Mackey? To, uh no, it's Mike Ditka. Uh, oh, so, Ditka, that's right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, how is? Kyle Pitts is not going to hit those heights, uh, and, and I think people are just getting way too hyped because we have a lack of tight ends. If we had better tight ends in the NFL right now, people wouldn't be as
2: interested. Well, boys, I'm going to throw my last two cents in. I got yeah, we,
0: we to. was just going to say.
2: Um, so For me, I'm passing on Pitts too. He's way too, way too rich of, of a price right now. I mean, he hasn't gone past 4.02 in the last five days on FFPC, mm-hmm. according to the Fantasy Mojo ADB. And I just, I, I can't do it. Rookie tight end. There's like you say, he's talented, but I just can't.
0: But The I, bad news is Billy's got to go and do his own podcast. The good news is that we're going to have Billy back regularly on the show uh, for the rest of the off season. So uh, Billy, best of luck. Enjoy your pod. And sorry, I meant to get you out a little quicker.
2: It's all right. Thanks for having me on, my boys. I appreciate it and really enjoy talking with you guys.
0: Yeah. Awesome. You all right. That's Thank Billy you. New Zealand, guys. Uh, you can find him, again, at FF Museo. Uh, don't go and see his show quite yet, but definitely go and see his show. Is that fair? <laughs> that, that, that's uh, fair, yeah. You can always catch so, it, like,
1: uh, after hours, right?
0: <laughs> so, so we kind of blended, but I do want to give Shane the opportunity uh, to say you can follow him on Twitter, at Shane P. Hallam, H-A-L-L-A-M. Uh, he is another returning champion. Uh, he is our draft guru, our rookie guru, and we appreciate you coming back and going over the tight ends and the running backs. And uh, let's go to uh, to to, uh, to the second uh, tight end question, Moody. All right.
1: Hold on a second. I got too many windows pulled up here. All We're right, very so. professional.
0: <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll get there.
1: All right. Help me uh, out a second here, uh, Todd. This thing is not loading up all for right. me. Uh,
0: I'll, uh, you know, tight end is a tough spot uh, this year. I haven't had a chance to view other tight ends. I, I really want to spend most of our time, Shane, on the running backs. Uh, but uh, give us just a quick breakdown on the other tight ends in this draft and which of any would be on your radar um, pre-draft as guys who maybe you should take as your third or fourth tight end in the FFPC.
3: I think I think the other guy is Pat Fryermuth, the tight end from Penn State. Um, I, I think he's going to be a top 50 pick. Worst case um, in that second round. He's a player that's been very successful from day one at Penn State. He's a two-way player, can block, soft hands, can catch, has that size, nice red zone ability. Um, If he he would have gotten hurt uh, this past season, he had a knee injury. And if that wouldn't have happened, I think he could have had a shot at the first round. Um, so I think he's actually coming at probably at a value in, you know, some of these FFPC drafts where you can get him fairly late and have someone that has, you know, has a lot of upside. Um, so I really like him. i him going to Jacksonville in round mm-hmm. two uh, to kind of fill that position and another playmaker for them. Uh, and then I think it really gets, starts to get tenuous. Um, I like Brevin Jordan, the tight end for Miami uh i've really liked him since high school Mm -hmm. he's um you know a a very good athlete and a a really tough player they played all around the formation in line receiver h back he kind of did a little bit of everything not he doesn't have the ideal size and he kind of flunked um his pro day so i think he's kind of falling down so i think it'd be really tough to take him in, in in that uh in that sense and then uh, probably the last guy for me that's even worth looking at is uh, Tommy Tremble a tight end from Notre Dame had less than 20 catches this year but uh, super athletic you know was behind a freshman phenom and Michael Mayer and um, Tremble's getting a lot of buzz I think he's someone that is going to have a better pro career than college career Uh, but it's you know it's a light tight end class tight end's going out of vogue in college it's not really going to get much better in the future
0: Yep. Yeah. All right. So um let's go over to uh running back then.
1: Yeah, now let's uh let's do it. So I would say for running backs, like who who are your top like four running backs, uh Shane? Like who are your top four? I mean, we have kind of the big three, right? Like yeah. everyone
3: kind of knows the nausea, Harris of Alabama, Travis Etienne of Clemson, Javante Williams of North Carolina, I, and I think you can put them whatever order you want. They're all very close. Um, I have Travis Etienne as my number one. You know, I, I he he reminds me a lot of of Dalvin Cook, uh, just in the way that he uses his vision and one cut ability. I think the outside zone is ideal for him, and if he gets in that scheme, then I'm I'm all in. Like, what what, what teams run thing? that? What, what uh, you're looking at you're looking at like San Francisco. Um, if Pittsburgh changes to Matt Canada's um, scheme, it'll be an outside zone. Even the Jets have run an inside zone, which I think would be fine. Um, you know the, the Vikings, but, but those are probably the three that have some. So basically, need. the Kubiak, the Kubiak. Uh, yeah, Kubiak, the, the, the Mike Shanahan, you know, tree. If you want to go back that far, right to the old Denver days, I think I think that's where he would excel because um, I like that home run ability. And I think he has a high floor because of the reception ability. Um, Javante Williams is my second. I'm not, like, super comfortable with that. Um, mm-hmm. But his contact balance is, whew, it's, it's one of the best that, that I've scouted in a while, just the way he's able to stay on his feet through contact, uh, had the most broken tackles in college football this year. Um, you know, he, he's someone that, that, you know, really, really intrigues me at 20
0: years old doing what he did uh, for North Carolina this year. His, his tape did not impress me the first game I watched, and the second game it was like a different player. I think at times he ends up looking like a plotter, kind of like a Ron Dane, you know, where, um, you know, he, if, if you get him around the legs, he falls, Um if he gets tripped up, he falls or, and he doesn't like burst through the line. But then the second game I watched, it was almost like a different guy. And it was like, I see what you mean with the contact balance. And he was hitting the hole much quicker. I felt like, and I'm big on how, how quick a guy, you know, especially a big guy hits the hole because NFL, you know, you can't expect to make your living. You know, if the NFL player hits you behind the line, it's very rare that you're going anywhere, uh no matter how big and strong you are um, so um i i I feel a little better on him than i than I did. I am a little surprised because I really did like the tape that I saw of uh the Alabama guy uh, mm-hmm. and you don't have him uh in your top two. <laughs> And look, I, like I said, I think that all three are very close. Like it's not like
3: uh, Najee Harris, you know, stinks, and and I'm definitely not saying that. I mean, if you want, if you look at just you know this past year's film and say, you know, who, who's who had the best games? I think Najee Harris did. I mean, that size, the reception ability, like you know, he he was a man amongst boys, you know. But he was. He's the oldest of these three prospects, um, and so for him and ETN, I kind of went back to two years ago. Now, I wanted to see what they did, even older than Javante Williams, but, you know, how do they do against players that kind of matched up physically with them? And I, I wasn't super impressed with Najee two years ago. Yeah, he, he had a good season. You know, it's Alabama. He had a lot of stats, but I, I didn't think he had that that kind of burst and movement, you know, like Todd was saying before. This year, when he's 22, playing against 19-year-olds, he, you know, he was, he was dominating them, and I expect him to do so. Um, that, that's why I think, like, Javante Williams – at nineteen, you know, progressed through the season, and I think I think Najee Harris might be a little bit maxed out. That's my fear with him. So he's going to come in, and I don't think he's Derrick Henry. I think he could be a player that um, you know maybe lacks that that true upside mm-hmm. to be as you know dominant. But I, I don't know how you guys feel on that.
0: Well, yeah, ahead, That's why we have you on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's uh, Moody. What's your thoughts on Najee?
1: No, no, I like Najee, you know, quite a bit. I'm like, you know, you you look at a statistical body of work, you know, it's impressive. And I think it was really surprising to see him return, you know, for a senior season. But I'm like, he had a monster year. I'm like, he finished with, what, 305, like, opportunities and had a little bit under 1,900 yards, you know, per game. Or total yards, excuse me, per game. That would be very impressive. I know he was very good, like, at yards after contact. I'm like, you look at pro football focus, like, he ranked third among running backs in that metric. But he's essentially like a plug and play, you know, three down back, you know, for any team, you know, that draft him. I just think he's been covered and discussed like so much. I think it's easy for the public to be like, oh, gosh, here we go. Najee Harris, you know, we're, we're pounding the table for this guy again. But I'm really excited to see, you know, where, where he ends up going. But something else I, I wanted to uh, to bring into the conversation. So you look at uh, like Waldman has like Sermon, like as his first like running back. Shane, we'd love to get your thoughts on that, my friend. I mean, I I don't think
3: Trey Sermon's on the level of those top three. Uh, He's my RB5, which I think is solid. I think he goes in the late second round. Uh, I I think he's uh, a good player. Uh, yeah. Right. I got a ton <laughs> Um, no, I think, I think he's a good player. And, and if you watch the, the Northwestern, the Clemson game, you come away like this guy is, you know, the next big thing. And he has that kind of short area quickness, despite his size, uh, a really good pro day workout. Like there's a lot of things to really
0: like about him. Um, I like his cutback ability. I like his ability to make that one, that one cut, you know, see one cut and get to an alternative hole. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, I, I thought that was the thing that jumped out the most to me on his tape.
3: And that's why I think, I think he's another guy. Like
0: I, I want in his own scheme because
3: he can make that one cut and that's really what he has to do to have success. Yeah. I think you put him in a power scheme where he's, you know, it, it isn't going to cut back. know, um, yeah, Then I think it limits what he does well. Uh, so I think he'll be a little bit scheme dependent, um, but you know, but I like him. I mean, I think if say if Pittsburgh doesn't take Najee Harris or Travis Etienne in the first round, I mean I think Trey Sermon's going to be their pick in the second round and mm-hmm. I think that would be a good fit for sure for which team? Uh yeah. the Pittsburgh
0: Steelers, yeah. Oh wow, that would be good. Um yeah. yeah. We uh, uh we we talked about um that you mentioned that he's your fifth. We know the top 3. Uh who's your fourth back? Uh Shane.
3: I like Kenneth Gainwell, the running back from Memphis that opted out this past season. Um I, and he's much different, I think, from the other four. I, I don't think gainwell's going to be, you know, a 30-carry-a-game a guy. Um, but, you know, he has that outside kind of electric ability, catching the football. Um, I think it helps that Memphis has produced now a number of NFL running backs. You know, I think teams will be impressed with that. And I, I think what Gainwell has really good vision and open space um, I think he's going to take in some good angles uh at you know using his feet and his body, and you know he kind of moves his body really well so that um, you know, he doesn't take big hits. Uh, sometimes that can be really nice, especially for fantasy and dynasty for long-term running backs, guys that are going to hold up. I think Gainwell is one of those guys that rarely takes a big hit. He knows how to shift his body weight and avoid a big tackle, and usually that can keep him balanced. So um, I think some people have forgotten about him because he didn't play this past season, but uh, I think he's in that that top five, that second day of the NFL draft mix. Mm-hmm.
0: I think people, uh, Moody, compare him to uh, Gibson, and to Pollard, simply mm-hmm. because they played on the same team. I don't see the explosiveness of the other two guys. Um, and I think it's just a misnomer to compare them just because they were on the same team. I do think he has some qualities that are similar. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on Gainwell, uh, Eric? On um, Gainwell? Yeah. All right. Hold on. It's okay. I'll throw yeah. that to Shane. Shane, no, no that's I fine. I was just having
1: some, just no some worries. Audio wasn't coming through. Sorry, guys. Go ahead, Shane. Yeah,
0: normally, normally women don't listen to me. So. <laughs> um, wow. Um, I, I did hear that, though. Yeah. Uh, so, Shane, uh, you heard the question What are your thoughts on the comparisons? And do you agree with me that he just doesn't have that kind of quick?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's easy to compare a player on the same team. I mean, Gibson didn't even play running back at Memphis, so uh, we didn't even get to see that. Um, I, yeah, I th- I don't think explosion is his best quality. I think he's a little bit more well built than those guys in terms yep. of um, you know being he's able to. Back. Being able to run run, run through a tackle, uh, which I don't think Pollard or, you know, Gibson necessarily could do in college um, and maybe have improved upon. But, I, you know, I, th- I
0: think Gainwell is a very different running back from them. Yep. All right. Well, in general, I think after a couple really good running back classes, um, in general, the second tier, I'm just this. Uh, I think is it fair to say that the second tier is a little underwhelming here, Shane? And who of that next in that tier are uh, some of your favorites?
3: It, it is. Uh, this is not a, a deep group. And, you know, as, an, a, as a draft guy, I can always convince myself of uh, more and better. But, uh, you know, that's usually not the smart play. I mean, I think Javante Williams' teammate, Michael Carter from North Carolina – has gotten a lot of buzz and rightfully so. You know he's had a couple big games. It's obvious why they use both of them. They're both pretty talented. Um and and he he's a player who doesn't do anything great. Uh you know there's nothing on my scouting report for Carter that I'm like ah you I know mean, he's you know the best in the draft at uh exploding off the snap or at uh, avoiding tackles. You know but he he doesn't have any big weaknesses. And that usually doesn't translate to like a stud starter, but one of those players that if they have to play, um, that they'll probably you know produce. Um, so I think I have him going to Cincinnati in the third round right now. Um, and I think he'll be in that kind of third third round mix. And wouldn't surprise me. I think Carter
0: to Cincy is a really good call.
3: Yeah, he's he seems like the type of running back that they're gonna want behind Joe Mixon.
0: I think it would make a lot of sense. I love that. Um, my favorite guy out of that next tier is Kylan Hill or is it Keelan? Um, I, I, I think that he uh, he's the one guy out of that next group that I think could really surprise. Um, and the guy that I uh, – it's kind of the opposite of Javante Williams, the guy who, who I really liked the first time I watched him, the second time not so much. Is Jamar Jefferson? What are your thoughts on Kylan Hill and Jamar Jefferson? I'm not as high on
3: Kylan Hill. I think he will be drafted pretty high, and I think given a good situation, I think people will um, like him. You know, he he's a, he's kind of a tough guy to peg because you know two very different schemes these last two years, this past year, this first couple games. Then when Mike Leach's scheme it was. All passing and receptions, and that's nice to see. Um, and you go back two years ago; it was a little more traditional pro style. Um, you know, I just don't see the the pure athletic talents for him. The, the agility, I think, is weak, and so that's my one fear. I think he could be kind of a short yardage back. Um, he could do some of those kind of things, um, but I, I have some questions. And Jamar Jefferson, I think, has similar questions. As well, like I love Jefferson's vision. I love, um, you know, I think he has a high football IQ. He obviously knows, you know, a lot of what the defense and offensive lines are doing. He's just not super athletic, and in the NFL, it's rare that those players have, you know, end up as starters for a long time. I think if you just don't have that top athleticism, um,
1: it's really hard to kind of crack through. Yeah, that's a good point, Eric. Anyone you want to ask about? Yeah, it was uh, it was one name uh, that you know I, I was kind of reading up and kind of studying on him uh, recently. Uh, it would be uh, Kansas's uh, Puka Williams. You familiar with him, Shane? Yeah, I,
3: I, I've I've been a fan of his uh, as well since high school. He was a player yeah. that after his freshman year, I thought you know this is a stud in the making. Um, Kansas, you know, really 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 bad team, really bad well, offense. Like, so hard for him to kind of stand out and, and do what he did early. And and I think that really took a toll. Like, I really like him as kind of a, a gadget player, pass catching, running back. Um, I, I'm hopeful he'll get drafted. I think he's probably on the borderline of getting drafted just because of the production. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm a fan. I think if he goes to a good spot um, in PPR leagues, he might be one of those guys I kind of swing for the fences with and, and hope I get something out of
1: yeah, because I uh, I could even see him uh, potentially go anywhere from like you know round four like to round like five. I'm I'm curious to see like what position he ends up playing like in the NFL. But I, I love the guy's talent. I mean, he can make an impact like as a kick returner, running back, like even like a like a slot receiver. I think he's one of those guys too that can you know make really some great contributions like very early in his career. So. Uh, I'm just curious to see where he ends up landing. I I think someone will get a very viable
0: player uh, if they end up selecting him. But,
1: no, thank you for that. No Good insight Yeah, I'm with
0: you, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I I think, you know, that kind of covers the running back position pretty well unless there's someone else you would like to mention, Shane.
3: No, I mean, I I think it's pretty good. I think we'll have – you know, I think there's definitely a couple other players that'll get drafted, and and as you know, sometimes landing spot for fantasy becomes big. But um, there's gonna be some good athletic guys later too. Chris Evans from Michigan, um, Jake Funk from Maryland. Um, I think that will go very late. That have some upside. So it's still a fun class, even though it's not as uh, not as good. And you know, we'll really see where these land and post draft. I think there'll be a lot of good analysis uh, for that.
0: My last question for you then, Shane, is, you know, it's been about five weeks since we talked last time. We've had pro days. We've had a lot more time to analyze. Give me the guy who has gotten your attention maybe since the last time we were on at the other positions. And what do you make of this whole, uh, do you think it's a smokescreen out of San Francisco for Mac Jones? Um, now the betting line has gone back to Justin Fields at three. So
3: I'll I'll say the um, kind of two guys that caught my eye since the pro days. uh, One, and we may have talked about him last time, is Nico Collins, the receiver from Michigan. Um, Mm -hmm. He's a player I like who opted out. Michigan's been awful at at developing talent, uh, offensive talent there, which has kind of stunk. But, I mean, he's massive. Uh, he's huge. He's super athletic. Uh, top three athletic uh, receivers for his size in this draft. Like he's someone that I'm kind of banging the table for now. If he goes round two, round three, like you need to have him on your fantasy teams. Um, so I think he's that type of player. And Say then the name again, Nico uh, Nico Collins from Michigan, wide receiver. For I'm Michigan. gonna have to watch him. Yeah, he's my wide receiver eleven uh, at this point. You know, it's a good class. So, um, and then. Uh, kind of a deep guy for me is Jacob Harris, receiver from UCF. Um, tight end receiver, kind of hybrid. We'll see where he plays. Um, but he's a player who uh, doesn't run a lot of routes. I can't really catch the football. Uh, neither of those things, you know, that's not good. But, uh, you know, super Typically, typically it's bad. For typically us, bad. So. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's <laughs> one of those, like, off the charts athletes uh that the pro day like i hadn't even watched him before the pro day and, and once that happened i said okay there's you know something here like he's gonna go a lot higher than he probably should um but you know it is someone i think to keep an eye on if he uh gets in a spot that can develop receivers well and, and as for mac jones i i don't think san Francisco's taking mac jones you know i haven't taken trey lance in my last mock um I'm probably not going to have them taking Matt Jones unless it comes out before the draft in my final one. Um, I, I, I still think I don't think San Francisco knows. I think it's real possible they haven't made that choice yet. And if they have, I think there's probably four people in that organization that know. I, you know, they're very tight-lipped. And if they do know, it's probably the coach, the GM, and the, the two head scouts. And that's probably it. Uh, and that's how they've really operated. Um, you know, since Lynch and Shanahan have been together.
0: Yeah, I I, I I still am standing by my comment that it's the most Jets thing ever, that Sam Darnold goes to Carolina and becomes, I don't think he's going to be an all-pro, uh, uh, you know, uh, a Pro Bowl guy, but I think Sam Darnold has more talent than any of the three guys uh, as a thrower than Zach Wilson, who, you know, I, I, I still think that they should have kept Arnold, signed him on the cheap, um and traded that number two pick. But you know, it's the Jets and they're gonna take uh where do you I think you said you had Wilson as number four, right? Yeah, I, I, I he's
3: number three for me now. I'm not sure if that's changed from last time, but I I still I think Fields is has his shoulders far above him. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. The only thing about Fields is that little bit of a hitch in his throwing motion. Um, that that's you know I noticed again. I don't watch a lot of college football, but I noticed it right away when I was watching him in that uh, in that awesome performance yeah. of his. Um, will that you know? But to get a guy that tough, that good on the ground, uh, so many other good things. Um, boy. I I, I, I've always had a a soft spot in my heart for the Jets uh, because, you know, growing up in New York, uh, when I was seven, they won the Super Bowl with Joe Namath. They were the AFL team. So I rooted for them on Saturdays and the Giants on Sundays. Um, And uh, but boy, Jets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. All right. Well, uh, Shane, tell everyone where they can find your work, and I think we'll get out of here. Yeah, hey, I appreciate you guys having me always. It's
3: always a good time. You can find me on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam. I write for fakepigskin.com. I do a podcast called The Debbie Marketplace about uh, Debbie fantasy football. So if, you're, uh, if anyone listening is interested in that or learning about that, uh, feel free to look that
0: up wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everyone, that's Shane. Shane, thanks for coming on. And uh, Eric, uh, another good show in the books, my friend.
1: Yeah, no, it was good. Yeah, it's always good to chat about uh, some of the uh, the prospects, and then kind of those sleeper players too. It's uh, I know we talk so much about the bigger names, but it's a lot of uh, kind of under the radar sleepers that um, that can really excel at the next level, you know, based on their uh, on their landing spot. Uh, so I know I was trying to uncover a lot of those players for uh, a newsletter that I had last week with uh, Moody Fantasy Facts. So I kind of had like six or eight. Kind of under the radar sleepers and, and just reference articles that i pulled uh, on them so no, that was good it was also good having billy on that was my first time having a chance to really interact with him like in a medium like this and he, so he's he, super sharp yeah no it, absolutely so it was good uh, kind of being able to hear him and uh, definitely have to check out uh you know his uh, live stream with uh with fantasy data uh, as well so no really good show todd Anything else on your mind that you want to share
0: before we uh, shut it down? No, uh, I don't know what we're going to do next week, but we will have mm-hmm. a show, we'll, uh, t- TBD. Um, and then, obviously, um, we might pass on doing a show during the draft on a Friday night. Uh, yeah. Probably want everyone wants mm-hmm. to watch the draft. Uh, maybe we'll come back over the weekend, Moody, that week and uh, do a quick wrap-up. Uh, But um, that's going to do it for this week. I want to, again, thank our friends at the FFPC. Uh, I just joined another $35 Best Ball. And if you want to invite me to a $35 Best Ball, go to myffpc.com, sign up, and send me uh, the link. And if I can, and I'm not doing too many teams, I will. And shout out and say, hello, Eric. Always a pleasure, my friend. I'll see you next week. Yeah, likewise. Everybody take care. All right, that's going to do it.